Welcome to episode 90 of the Daniel Yoris podcast with today's guest, David London. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Joined here today by David. David, thanks for being here, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, man, I'm super excited to be on the show. I actually know a lot of the guests you've had. And, you know, we, we met in real life, been following you for a while and really excited to be back on a podcast. It's been some time, but definitely love having these great conversations about health and fitness and just connecting. So very grateful that we could connect today. Yeah, absolutely. It's been it's been some time coming. We met several months ago and everyone says, well, I've said like Toronto's a big city. Like there are a lot of people in Toronto. Obviously, it's the not obviously, but it's the fourth largest city in North America, which is probably surprising to some American people who might be listening, but Toronto's a huge place. But at the same time, everyone kind of knows each other. The health and fitness space is big, but not that big. And everyone sort of knows everyone or knows someone who knows someone. And I was looking through some of your podcast guests and you know the people who we follow and interact with on social media are all common, commonly linked. So yeah, Toronto's not that big of a place. But yeah, we met at, uh, we met at Othership, which listeners of the podcast will recognize. I've had Jeff on, I've had Amanda and Harry on, and we met there both as participants there. Uh, but that might be changing for you soon. Yeah, it was really cool. And I find that every time I go, everyone's so like, you know, in their element that you can really just like be your authentic self and really like connect with people on like a deeper level. Like whenever I go and I, I share a class with someone, we can instantly just have like a really nice conversation. And it's nice, like you could, you, you'd think that you'd never see them again, but chances are you'll see them around and it really creates this really nice, wholesome community because everyone's like, very into the same like holistic health and wellness but you know i honestly feel that toronto isn't such a big city because every time i go i see you know five or six different people waving at me which is really exciting it's also just a i think a testament to like routines of people like when you're i remember like in university obviously there's tons of people at the university and you walk but you have the same classes at the same time every week and other people have the same classes and so you're walking by the same people all the time and you might never ever see them but the same thing is in Toronto like you go to the gym at you know whatever time and then you walk from the gym to the to the cafe but someone else is doing that same walk in the opposite direction and and so we all just kind of bump into each other and so it's a big it's a big place but like small place as well and th- this is where like that sense of community really comes into get to meet people, get to know each other. And that's why I think we both gravitate towards podcasts and this, the social aspect of social media and actually getting to know people a little bit better. Yeah, and it's really true. And and I think community is like a big thing to discuss because especially now that like, you know, the pandemic's over, everyone's back at the gym. I feel like people should really be encouraged to actually, you know, get out there, try a few different gyms and really see where it feels like home for you. Because that's what I've been doing. I, I stopped training at home, stopped training at my clinic. And I've tried out three or four different gyms till I find that vibe that's right for me. And I find the community you want to, that way, you know, you show up, you feel comfortable, you feel pumped. And I think it's very underestimated. Like maybe it's worth paying a little bit extra to, you know, get out of a commercial gym and go somewhere where, you know, you feel like you're you're in your element. I recently, you know, I've tried two or three and they were, you know, on the pricier end. And then the other one I'm at now is like pretty reasonable, but it makes a huge difference. I find in your whole like mentality like walking in there, the people. And then if you go to like, you know, if you're like, oh, this place is always busy or the people are all not into the training like I am, it can really affect like, like subconsciously your performance. Absolutely. There was a, there was a period of time for me where I was going to some commercial gyms when I moved out of Toronto and came back up to, into the suburbs. And you see the most ridiculous things at commercial gyms. And as someone who like kind of knows, you know, uh, I know what I'm doing. Obviously, in the gym, sometimes it hurts you. Like you see people who are who are about on the verge of hurting themselves, or trainers who are on the verge of hurting clients, and just doing all the craziest stuff. And every time you walk into that place, you have this just bad vibe. I never felt like I had good workouts until you know I'm at the place now where it's a lot more private. Yes, a little bit more expensive, but I can just do what I got to do. Everyone knows each other in the gym, and everyone cares for each other, and people help each other out and have actual conversations rather than just trying to steal each other's dumbbells between sets. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like that's really big coming back to othership like having a community where you can people are following similar lifestyles similar values will make it so much easier to hit your goals versus you know when we're all training at home or even if you just like to train alone it's very hard you know on those hard days where you you worked all day and you got to go to the gym but if you're always constantly surrounded in that vibe and that energy i kind of it's it's the similar concept to where people talk about who you're surrounded like the five most people you're surrounded with all the time like but if you can like double that number, you can get, you know, exponential better results. If you know 20, 30 people 
same lifestyle, same values, same mentality, then you're just going to skyrocket not only your results, but your, you know, your, your happiness and, and enjoying the process more than just like training in your basement, you know, sticking, you know, to sticking with yourself all the time. And then you can't really like, you don't, you know, you might think you're pushing yourself as hard as you can, but you're really not when it's just, you know, when you're, when you're just kind of training at home or you're always just kind of doing, you know, your own thing versus when you actually feel other people's energy and actually like feel the space and the surroundings. Well, I 100% agree with that. It's, it's very hard to always push yourself at home and you have to be super dedicated and committed. And that's also why I think something you alluded to there was that the fitness community is very is unique compared to other communities in that we all have to deal with our health in some capacity. The gym or a place like Othership is filled with, yes, fitness and health enthusiasts, but also filled with not fitness and health enthusiasts, people who work at a desk, who have a job that has nothing to do with health at all. But we all have a body. We all have a physical body. We all have to take care of our health. And so we can meet in the middle there and you meet so many people from so many walks of life. Like, sure, we met there and connected because we're both involved in social media and involved in, in, in health and fitness. But there are people there who are just business people who don't know anything about working out and don't really work out, but they know that they've got to do something for their body. And so connecting with all these differently minded people, but we all kind of connect over the health aspect of it, I think is a really, is a really special place. It's interesting how I'm starting to value, you know, going to other ship and meditating and so on an ice bath so much more like we're in the past. I've been meditating doing yoga since I was 16. So I'm like, 28 now but I like I feel like it was just something I did and I was just like and it made me feel good but now just like this is something like I have to really prioritize and I know I need it even more than ever and it, it's crazy like I've been taking ice showers contra showers since since I started working out but it was more so I wasn't doing it for the whole like mindfulness purpose it was more so just like I don't know something I just thought of doing before those showers were popular and then even doing yoga like I was really deep into it I feel like as you mature in the gym and at life, you realize like you got to take care of that, that mental health side so much more. Like it's obviously going to the gym, you know, four or five times a week makes you feel great getting out and walking. But like doing all these other things to support it can make the hugest difference. Where in the past, but like, yeah, I'll just stretch after my workout. But now it's no like let's let's stretch with my phone away. Let's actually like be in the present moment doing the mobility, feeling into the body versus like let's just, you know scroll on Instagram or do some some stretches and also too just like I can't fully describe how it feels coming out of the ice bath but just one kind of example here is I know I'm sure a lot of us do a lot of people drink a lot of coffee a lot of people so I find for me I used to wake up pretty hangry or grumpy but like after I would say like I've been going since February but I just started going four times a week once I increase the frequency of the sauna to ice bath from once to four I, I wake up like happy, like every morning feeling great, right out of bed, go meditate, go for a walk. And there's none of that like, that oh fuck, I, I feel like shit. Or like, why am I not happy today? But it's crazy how we can use our environment to support like long-term sustained effects, whether it be, you know, building muscle, building flexibility, or even our mood through all these different factors. And then putting it together to create your own lifestyle, which is crazy for me, which is why I'm trying to get more involved. And I find like, say I do a night class at the ship, I'll, the next morning, I'll like enhance the effects and do like a like a five minute ice shower just because I'm like, I want to reap this as long as I can. Because I feel like the first kind of few times you do things, whether it's a yoga class or the first time you're going to the gym, like you can feel good, you know, for a little bit. But it's more so like training your body to maintain that state. So that could be like mentally, your mental toughness, your, your resilience, or it could be your calmness and your composure. But I think like there's something to be said for like, figure out how you can maintain the life you want to live, like not only physically, but like subconsciously. That's amazing. Yeah. We, we all have that feeling of after a good workout or after you go for a hike in the, in the forest or even just a walk around the neighborhood, you feel good after, but then how do we make that last throughout the rest of our day? Sure. It'll last the, you know, for an hour or two, but how do we just get that feeling all the time? And so it's interesting that you've made that connection as someone who obviously, again, You've been involved in health and fitness, been working out for a long time, been meditating for a long time, but it's been kind of taken to a new level through the through the community aspect of othership, right? Because you said you've been going into having cold showers and now a cold shower is not the same as an as an ice bath, but 
it's close. So it's not that the physical practice has really changed for you. Would you say that it's it's more of the community there that has changed it for you? Or is it just that step up from the cold shower to the full on ice bath? I think the community plays a big difference because, you know, when I started doing yoga, it was me in my parents' basement doing P90X yoga. So I had I had Tony Horton there with me. And then I did that for years, P90X 1, 2, 3 yoga. And then I, you know, I downloaded some Aloe Yoga app. I did some online classes. So I always had like the, the virtual community, you could say, but no one really I could interact with and feel their energy. I could get an idea of their personality and be like, yeah, I like this kind of vibe, which was cool. But I never actually did real in-person yoga before my teacher, teacher training, which was interesting. And I taught classes before I ever took one in real life as a student, which is kind of odd, but I did like <laughs> eight years of like online yoga. I was like, and did an in-person training. But I find it's not just that it's taken it to another level doing the ice bath. It's more so like when you go up to some, like when people are so calm and grounded and you can just feel like what's possible, like in terms of like your mental state or just like everyone like matches the the vibe. You're like, oh, wow, like you're not alone in this. You know, everyone's really, I'm sure a lot of people like are, are working through different stuff. We all got shit going on, but it's more so like when everyone, it's it's just the support. Like everyone's like, hold, like you go in the ice bath and you feel like physically like people's energy is holding your hand in there. You know what I mean? And it's the same thing for having like, like a, like a trainer like yourself or a coach. It's like, you've got that, that mental, emotional support. You've got, you know, something to make it feel like it's just not you chasing your girls alone but it's more so you're developing like a sense of self and community at the same time which is is so underrated like like go out there like recently my intentions recently when i when i go for walks now i ditch the airpods like in the last two weeks i'm doing no airpods no music at the gym i want to open opportunities for people to approach me like i want to be approachable i want to connect with people so i'm just it's it's kind of weird with no music, but I'm trying to like let the universe open these opportunities for me because I've noticed like when I'm at other ship where I I let this happen, then I can maintain that that state of where I feel great, but also just like you never know who's gonna want to talk to you, or who you're gonna want to connect with. And I know yeah, you go I, for a lot of walks. Yeah, I I definitely do, but I I agree with I agree strongly with like the no headphones for a walk, and obviously. Sometimes you got to listen to music. I you know encourage you to listen to podcasts obviously. Oh yeah. But oh, yeah. but and and not not just you David, but the listener like you know listen to podcasts and like do your thing, but there is a huge value I believe in not having any distractions. And it's just so that you can be in that moment and so you soak in all of the things a little bit more and that's how it lasts a little bit longer or more into your day. I was having this conversation with my brother like I think it was last week we were going for a walk like in the forest by our house. And we were, I can't remember how we were talking about this, but we started talking about like ancient people or people years and years ago and how they just discovered like stuff in the world that we all just like take for granted now. But then we thought about it like they didn't have anything else to do. They just had nothing to do but think about stuff all day. They didn't have really jobs or like cell phones and like and all these distractions. And so what could we imagine if we had less distractions and you go for a walk every single day in the forest, call it a thinking walk. And some famous people in the modern era, Steve Jobs, namely famous creative people have been known to do these type of thinking walks where they just go into nature and let their mind go wherever it goes. And some amazing ideas and thoughts will come to you if you do that. So if you can have that, then you carry that more into the rest of your day, but then you feel like it's behind. You feel like your walk wasn't productive because you didn't listen to a podcast or feel the need to to play your favorite song while you're in the forest. Like the, the, the music thing, I think is a is a is a harder thing to sell because yeah. that's not really productive. A podcast, at least you can say like, okay, I'm learning something. I'm learning about a topic. Fine, but the music yeah, thing is just pure does, entertainment and distraction, right? Yeah, and it doesn't need to be all the time. Like it could be the first five minutes going to the gym. Like maybe just warm yeah. up. And and feel your body when you're stretching and you're doing the mobility and you know, even just part of your walk. Like it doesn't need to be all or nothing. I think like for me, it's just like, all right, I'll give it a little bit, see how I feel. And then when I want to listen to some Megadeth, I'm going to listen to some Megadeth at the <laughs> gym because it's always Megadeth. So it's good to just like for, with all these things, just like don't put too much pressure on it. It's just something more to to try and see how it feels. Or maybe you're walking and it's quiet and do your thing, but maybe... You never know if, you know, 
if we always, you know, you're always, because you'll notice people, even if they have them in, walking downtown in the city, subconsciously, we, we, our, our, our brain's like, all right, that's not, maybe they were, they seem cool, or they were doing a, they could be doing a handstand on the street, but the headphones is like a barrier. So right. that's why I'm just like, and I, and I just, it's a weird transition for me, because I'm very also on social media all the time. So I'm not like an expert at it, but it's something I'm trying to be more aware of. Because I do want to, you know, connect with people at the gym and cause I've just because I've noticed that other ship, you know, it's like maybe two hours without my phone. Sometimes I do back to back classes. So it's nice. I'm just like when you notice the experience and then the mind state when you're you can just disconnect and the conversations you can have. It's pretty incredible. I think a nice way to sum it up is that it's 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 about being rather than doing. Mm-hmm. And I think the ice bath is a perfect example of this where you, you'll see this more often because you're there far more often than I am. But people who are first timers to go into the into the cold tub, they're they're nervous about doing the thing. And so they, they don't catch their breath. They kind of freak out. They have a little bit of a panic response, which we all do, but they can't control that panic response because they're so focused on doing the ice bath, doing the thing that they can't actually be there. And the people who are more seasoned at it or who are just for whatever reason uh, more prepared for it somehow they can just sit there and yes they'll breathe heavy but they'll calm their breath down and they'll just be there in the ice bath and just and just let the thing happen to them and be in the moment rather than trying to accomplish some goal of hitting some certain time limit that's arbitrary or whatever and so the same thing is with your walk if you're going for this like purposeful power walk like doing the thing Sometimes that's not as free and creative as just, I'm going to go for a walk and see what happens and let my mind go where it goes. And, and then I'll come back and be part of the, part of the real world after that. But sometimes just being there, being in the moment, being in the thing that you're doing in your workout can be, can be a very beneficial thing to do. So I've been switching my times up recently, going to the gym more the morning versus the evening. And I'm curious, do you notice the same thing? I find that I've been going eight or nine versus like five or between five and seven and I notice like regardless if I stretch do mobility in the morning breath work and go for a walk there's nothing really like you know getting those endorphins getting that pump in the morning at least for like my overall like drive discipline focus like I find something about the morning really sets the day up especially if like you don't have much activity during the day like you know stretching and yoga and doing some mobility all that feels good but I find there hasn't been anything quite like just lifting some weights in the morning to get things going yeah, I agree. I definitely prefer like a, a mid-morning workout as well. Now, most people who work some type of corporate job don't have the the flexibility, let's say, that, that we have to, to go to the gym at 9 o'clock in the morning or 10 a.m. or something like that. And, and to that, I say people say, oh, you're so lucky you can go to the gym at 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, yeah, but you're getting paid at 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm just working out. So, so don't, don't, think it's <laughs> a, don't think it's not all sunshine and rainbows to have flexibility but or w- with your time. But yeah, if you can get that workout in, in the early part of the day, I do think it does set up the day uh, better. You have some opportunities to create a win in the day. You get that workout out of the way when you have more mental energy, more physical energy versus at the end of the day when you've been you know beat up by your job and then you got to drag your ass to the gym and, and get a solid workout. And it's, it's more difficult. Now, for some people, that's the only time that works. And of course, do what you can. Like Something is better than nothing. But I think if you can, there is there is some benefit and it might maybe it's different for different people. Maybe some people working out in the morning, it's just so dreadful because it's too early for them. They're really not morning people, even if it's like nine or ten a.m. And going to the gym in the evening is much better. But find what works for you. Like find that time that kind of like lights you up, and schedule yourself around that as best as you can. I think is the way is the way to go. And I and I challenge people listening. Like if you feel like you're not a morning person, you'd be surprised how adaptable the body is. Like I remember the other day. I had, I work Saturdays, I do physio Saturdays, like 10 to 3, and I think I was out late the night before, I had plans in the evening, I think I was going to a concert, and I had to go to the gym at 8 in the morning, I remember I opened the door, checked the weather, and it was really cold, and I, t- I messaged my coach, and he's like, he's like, dude, just it's only going to get colder, and I was like, shit, you're right, so I went to the gym, and I was like, at 8, and that's probably like the earliest I've gone. And I was like, holy shit, like, I felt, once I was in it, I felt so good, so awake. But if you, like, after, like, a, you know, a week, 10 days, even three, four days, just pushing through that, like, internal resistance, like, you can really become anything you want to become in terms of, like, your schedule. Like, if you want to really get it done in the morning, 
it's just more so like there's going to be it's going to be hard just like the ice the first three four five maybe ten times but once you just like not saying you have to switch and work out in the morning do what works for you but just overall in terms of how adaptable our bodies are like if you can get through that those first few layers exactly i think it's also partly a self-fulfilling prophecy if you continue to tell yourself that you're not a morning person then then you will not be a morning person if you tell yourself these like things these quote-unquote truths about yourself then you will start to believe them and embody them i think it's the same thing about people who say, oh, like, I'm so bad with people's names. I can't, I can never remember people's names and I meet new people. Well, if you keep telling yourself that, then you're always going to be bad at, pe- at remembering people's names. But if you identify as someone who is good at remembering people's names or identify as someone who is good at being lucky with playing cards with your friends or something, then you will actually manufacture more luck that way because you're, that, that's just how it works. And same as, and same as, remembering people's names and being a morning person, all these things. So if there's something you want to do, just tell yourself that you are that person. And maybe this again, woo woo for some people and you know, some, uh, what's the word positive affirmations, but if it works, it works. And so you don't have to understand why or how it works, but it does do something. So it's a, it's probably a good strategy to use. Is that something like you, you work with, with your clients a lot is the mindset side of the fitness. I try to, and it of course depends on, on people's goals. Some people really hold themselves back as to like what they're capable of and say, Oh, I can't, it's, it's mainly, I'd say the most common example is with female clients and lifting amounts of like certain amounts of weight that will get to a point where it's like, Oh, I, I can't lift that weight. That weight's like too heavy for me. I'm like, Oh, but you've been lifting like five pounds less than that for like 15 reps. So of course you could do that. Just just try it and like let's and, right. and let's see what happens. And then you know what do you know? They're able to do it, and it's like wow, we break we break through this barrier. I had this one client a while ago, and uh, she was very much like this. Didn't think that she was one of those people who could lift heavy weights. And then we had or she had gone on a business trip somewhere, and she did a workout in the hotel gym. And so I gave her her workout to do in the hotel gym with like limited equipment. And she's like, Oh, I couldn't really do the workout because I didn't have heavy enough dumbbells in the gym to do the things that we needed to do. And I was like, and she didn't even kind of realize it when she said it. But then I was like, see, like that's, that's, this is what's been happening. You used to say that, you know, you couldn't lift heavy weights and that's for other people, but here you are like maxing out the hotel gym. Right. So, so there is certainly self-limiting beliefs in trying to bust through those plateaus with, with all clients. Um, but it's it's individual for each person. That's probably just the most common example that comes up. No, that's really awesome. And I know a lot of your posts, you have really good like advice and like, but you're you're no bullshit with your. That's what I like about your your tweets and stuff. Like, you get the message across, but it's also like it's the mindset stuff. But it's just like short and sweet. But it's, you know what I mean. Like, it's just facts. You know, like you yeah, can't I, you can't you can't you I can't be to. like no. It's just like. Keep it real, which is cool. And I like how you've been, I see you've been working on your flexibility on your splits. I see, I know you posted a photo a few weeks ago. So let's talk a little bit. I want to know about, you know, just what, how you've been approaching it and your goals. I'm just, I'm curious, like how you approach things and we'll dive into mobility a bit. Yeah, for sure. I like how you, I like how you flip this podcast back on me, but let's roll with it. Um, yeah, yeah. I've always been, I've always been, uh, been a fan of, um, mobility training. It's always been something that meant a lot to me because I lost so much of my ability to move through all of my history of knee injuries and stuff like that and couldn't walk for a period of time and blah, blah, all that stuff. So regaining the ability to move was a big part of my entire training and how I came up. And so the splits is not something I've really been working on. Like I was just doing it that one day and then happened, someone happened to take a photo of me, but it's not something I've actively been like focusing on. I think I would like to get to do it eventually and spend more time on that specific skill, but not something I've really been working on. But my approach to it is mostly using the FRC system, which I believe that you're familiar with as well. Um, And so taking stretches or the body into a position and using the muscles or the tendons, putting them into an end range of motion and then putting some force through that range of motion. That way we can kind of establish with the nervous system in conjunction with the muscles that like, Hey, this is a safe position. Let's gain some strength here rather than just endless stretching because I've stretched a lot in my life. Just, you know, touch your toes, hold, you know, this position, that position, and I can make my body do make, make, put my body into shapes that are impressive, quote unquote, to some people. I don't find them impressive, but some people say like, wow, you're super flexible, but that's never helped me. Just holding stretches has never been 
it feels good in the moment, but just holding it plain has never really helped me. So I've always, so once I learned about all the FRC stuff, then I was like, oh yeah, that's, this is the missing piece. I need to actually put some strength through that. And so mixing the strength training through those end ranges of motion. And this is also why I'm such a big stickler with my clients for like using full range of motion, like no half squats, unless there's a specific reason why we're doing half squats, like your split squats got to be all the way down. Like even your chest pressing, like it has to be like open up your shoulders and like go through the whole range of motion. Because if you don't even have it now and you don't use it, then it's only getting worse. So we need to do everything that we can to, to try and preserve that. But I kind of went on a little bit, a little bit off there, but what do you, what do you think about that? And like, how do you approach your mobility training for yourself and for your clients? It's funny that you mentioned it because I spent the morning watching FRC videos on the online portal, just kind of nice. learning and listening to his podcast. But I, I've done, I've, I've taken the system. I'm going to be enrolled in a few more courses, but I kind of combine everything from what I've done, gymnastics, yoga, physio, and FRC. I kind of put them all together and use all the tools. So, but I do agree though. Like if you just yank on something, like why is your body going to stay there? Yeah. But I think the splits is a good testament actually to your your strength training and your fitness program because I didn't know I could do it until one of my students asked me in one of my first classes I ever taught if I could do it and I could do it I never trained for it I just did you know the right exercise a lot of Jefferson curls a lot of the right movements a few other stretches you know some PNF stuff with the bands and then once I obtained it and I knew I had it I was able to build the strength and range with it I would you know do isometrics I would do some eccentrics with, you know, just a bunch of different stuff to load it up with sliders and all of that. It wasn't until I actually, but I, I would say when I first tried it, I was like maybe a fist from the floor and I had to work a little bit, like a week or two and I could get to the floor. But it was interesting how after doing yoga for all those years and lifting for all those years, then my body would just like let me get into that range because it felt safe. Whereas before when I started working, I couldn't even touch my toes, like a few years back, backtrack even further. So I think for me, like, nothing's never come naturally in terms of flexibility. But I feel like I put in so much work over the years where you can, I, I call it after you, your body's comfortable with it and you've loaded it up, you develop what I call like your resting flexibility. So like, mm-hmm. I naturally like am still like not as flexible as I was when I was doing gymnastics, but I still have, you know, my body's like, if I go into like a routine, like if I get back to my, you know, hour a day, 30 minutes a day. Right now I'm doing like 10, 15, but I can get it back really quickly because my brain is, knows that I built the strength there and it's comfortable. So it's more so like, how can we train people so they can maintain it with less, you know, without like nothing wrong with yoga. I still love to go and do like a nice deep stretch class a few times a week, plugging it on YouTube. That's just more like, I just want to get out of my head and just get some stretching in. But I think the mistake a lot of people make is they try to jump to the advanced stuff. Like you said, like the back bends the handstands, the shoulder openers, before they can even, you know, have a good squat or a good hip hinge. So I think people really need to just understand, like if you jump to the fancy stuff and the splits, you're going to get hurt, which is why I tell people, like the way we program and prioritize the exercise you're going to be doing are going to be what's appropriate for your skill level. So when I'm choosing exercises for clients, I'm always trying to find ways that we can like you said, like get a little bit more range through it, whether it be like a like a, a split squat with the front foot elevated to get more hip extension or doing a deadlift from a deficit or even like a seated good morning with the feet a little bit higher. Most of them get little tweaks I can do here and there. But all my clients have like a like their daily bare essentials, whether it's like five or six different mobility things that they need based on their job and their demands. And then we incorporate a little bit I'm an advocate for a lot of like kind of adding mobility into the workouts depending on the client. So say someone's doing like legs instead of just sitting on the bench between squats, like doing a bit of shoulder work. So I find like depends on the intent, intensity intent because for a lot of the FRC system, it has to be, you know, higher intensity and higher intense. So I don't always pair that stuff. I'll give more like dynamic kind of just user range kind of stuff. Do a few, you know, say you're benching to maybe just kind of sit in a squat between sets those what I call are just like easy things to, you know, integrate more movement into the day today because that's what people really need is like, like if you're going to sit 10 hours a day but only do like 30 minutes of movement, I'd rather you just like, and, the, and then the same principle applies to my clients who are at their desk. Like I find different ways I can give them one to two minutes of movement each hour versus like just be like, all right, you got to go home, you got to walk for two hours and go to the gym and 
So I, I'm very flexible in terms of like if I can if I can't get the client doing intense mobility right away because maybe they don't have the body awareness or maybe they just aren't ready for it. Maybe the goal is just getting them moving more. But we do, I do ramp it up with people. Like we go into, you know, once I feel ready and confident in your range and your capacity, like, you know, some weighted mobility, weighted cars, like end range holds with blocks. Like, you know, you could actually do like forward, like you said, touching your toes. You can do a seated forward fold with resistance pulling you from going forward. So the resistance would be you can pull the band forward or you can have something behind you pulling you forward. So finding different ways to apply like gym progressive overloading to the mobility work is something a lot of my more advanced clients do like i've got some guy doing hip standing hip cars with like a 10 pound ankle weight but this guy's been working with me for like three years and he's been he came from what i like to call like a a stiff like a brick desk guy to you know he's like he's lifting a lot he's playing baseball he's pitching you know he's he's really but it's it's all about really like taking the time to make it part of your lifestyle. Like, like if you just want to do the splits in two months, then are you going to still maintain it afterwards? And I'm, I'm more about longevity. Like I personally could stretch an hour a day cause I love it, but some people want the results, but they don't necessarily can't really fall in love with the process right away. But it's not until you, you, you get to the point where you're like, Holy crap. Like it feels easier to walk because my hamstrings feel good and I have more hip extension. I'm like, Holy crap. <laughs> Like I was, well, my legs always felt heavy when I'm walking, but now it's just like, wow, I feel really good. So in terms of maintaining those changes, I think we shouldn't disregard. There's a lot of very good research for slow form, passive stretching. Like a lot of research shows that it can actually decrease blood pressure, like perhaps like, and like long form, two, three minutes stretching. It can get things. There's a, I'm not going to go too deep into, but there's a lot of good research because we need to have that foundation. And like you said, that's where the system comes in is that. You can spend two minutes in in the forward fold, and over time, again, your tissues creep. Like when we're sitting at your desk, that's why your posture gets worse because the tissues elongate after like forty five minutes to an hour. But it's more so like they can come back, but it's more so the long term plastic deformation of the tissue is what leads to everyone having you know kyphosis and poor posture. But if you're just stuck like this, versus like your tissues are going to adapt there, and it's the same thing for flexibility, like. They're going to adapt, but the deformation can come back if we're not reaching the threshold to create tissue changes. So it's all about like moving with the breath and spending that time. But again, also figuring out like I think a lot of people are missing the fact that we just create a we can't just create a stretching and mobility program for someone. If we're not educating them on the actual functions of the joints, like why they're doing it, like, yeah, we're going to the splits, but do they understand like. There's hip extension, hip flexion, you know, a little bit of hip rotation, you know, ankle dorsiflexion. I want people to understand the capacity of all the joints and what they can do before they, they just jump into it. I feel like there it's very underrated. It's like, do you understand why we're doing a hip card? Do you know what this even is? What are the different movements are? Like, I want people to feel that. And so I, I always start people off with a foundational phase where just, you know, body awareness, getting moving a bit more, understanding, you know, what, what how the body moves. So I feel like if you if you negate that and you just maybe I mean, there's a lot of amazing yoga teachers, a lot of my friends. But if you just only do yoga and you do the poses, but not really understand what's happening in your body, then you're gonna miss that body awareness you need to do a lot of the advanced like end range stuff and and the joint work that's gonna be effective in improving your workouts and the way your body feels long term. Hundred percent. There's there's a lot of good things you said there, and I want to circle back to which which you came back to in the end there, but talking about the the splits as a, as a good example and i think that things like doing the splits doing a handstand or any of these kind of impressive instagrammable poses they are more expressions of strength or expressions of mobility rather than they are mobility training like just like you said you didn't re- you weren't really doing the splits or like practicing for it or anything like that and someone asked you hey could you do it and you tried it and you could do it because your training like gave your body the capacity to do that. And it's very similar to me. I can't get into the full splits, but you know, kind of, kind of close, but it's not something that I explicitly work at. I just do all of my other training. And then, so if I ask my body to go into that position, then I can get into that position. The yoga in my, I've done, not done a lot of yoga, but when I do do yoga, because I'm not like a regular in the class or whatever, the instructor is often like impressed by me if they don't know who I am or whatever. 
And because I can get into the positions, I can do all of the things because I have good strength and good control of my body. But that doesn't mean that I'm necessarily good at yoga or that I'm necessarily more or less mobile or flexible than other people. I just know how to use my body. And so I can put myself into those positions, not having done them before. And, and this is where you, your training has to reflect that. So I do a lot of split squats, like you're saying the front foot elevated or front foot, back foot elevated, you know, whatever, all the variations. And so that translates over very well to being able to actually do the splits. It's not that I ever do the splits. I mean, once in a while, I might just do it just to see how, you know, how, how it looks, but, but I don't really do it. The other thing that you mentioned a lot there, which is worth highlighting is that people don't have endless amounts of time to be working on just mobility. And there's so much more involved in their entire health and fitness journey than just the mobility. People still need to lose weight and get their heart rate up and build strength and do all of these other things. So when someone only has, you know, two or three hours a week to train is having them stretch for an hour and a half of that time, the best like bang for their buck. And I think in most cases, it's probably not. And again, highly dependent on the individual, but they do need to build some strength. They do need to get their heart rate up. They do need to work on other movement patterns other than sitting on the ground and, you know, trying to touch their toes type of thing. So given all that limited time, we have to find ways to work the mobility into all of the other stuff using things like you mentioned, where instead of your rest, instead of sitting on the bench and texting on your phone, like sit in a squat or do some, you know, band pull-aparts or band circles or some type of shoulder car or an ankle car or something like that, just to fill up that time and use it a little bit more effectively. And I think as well as that is selecting exercises and executing exercises through their fullest range of motion with the greatest amount of control so that you are testing and improving the mobility of the joints involved in that exercise while you're doing it rather than spending the limited time you have sitting and holding stretches. Like, would you, would you agree with that concept? Yeah, totally. And I think that's what's key is you can't be, you can't be flexible and weak. Like that's how the system breaks. And that's why I had a lot of my injuries early on. You know, I started yoga when I was 16 and working out when I was 16. And, you know, I think my range was beyond my body's capacity. Like I had a lot of range, but I just wasn't because I was just doing like, you know, just a P90X. Like it wasn't exactly what my body needed. So I had like a lot of injuries, you know, whether it be when I played sports, you know, shin splints, hamstring issues very early on. Even when I started deadlifting, like I just was always having issues with my hamstrings. So I think like it's, it's, you have to get that strength element because everyone be like, you're the yoga guy, you're the yoga teacher, super flexible. He's like, but like the people, this guy came up to me once, my friend at the gym. He's like, I remember the first time I hurt my shoulder and he's like, I'd ever stretch and I've never been injured. And he's like, what did you do? And I was like, I had like a crisis, like shit, what did I do? And it was more so just, you know, it was a bit of me pushing too hard and not listening to my body, but also realizing that stretching and flexibility is also strenuous on the system we have to you know if you're doing a lot of intense stuff and doing the fancy poses it's going to affect your recovery so i was doing a lot of like shoulder opener shoulder stands a lot of like you know skin the cats early on which are all really good but it was more so that it's still stress on the system especially if you're hitting the weights hard doing a lot of upper body so you have to have a coach or a trainer who really understands what you're doing overall so you're not putting more stress on the system, especially if you're not sleeping well, you're not eating well. Like you, ha you can't put in more right away without really adapting the system. And I think that's why it has to be, you know, the right dose at the right time, the right intensity. And I have some clients who just do mobility training. Like they do some more select FRC style. Like we do mostly like, you know, Zotman curls, like Jefferson curls, like backbend pushups. Like they come, like they just, they're not as into the, bodybuilding which is fine i you know i i do a lot of that training too but it's more so like it has to depend on your goals because we can push you harder we can give you weighted shoulder cars we can give you single arm you know scapular push-ups whatever but you have to have that capacity in your system because this stuff can be pretty intense because you know when we're ramping up the effort on some isometric holds and stuff the thing to highlight there is that mobility training done done right is still training. It's not sitting there and stretching yep. and relaxing. The principles of progressive overload, which overlays everything about training ever, like 
I get upset when people say like, oh, I'm using progressive overload this workout. Like, well, yeah, like obviously if you weren't, then like what were you <laughs> even doing? You know, like it doesn't, it's not like a thing that you just do. It's like, it's the entire thing that you're doing all the time, but the same thing, or, or you should be anyways, but the same thing applies to mobility training. If mobility training done right, you will be sore the next day. Your system will be exhausted the next day. Like you don't, you can't just train your hip mobility like 100% every single day because the, the, the demand will exceed the capacity of the tissues and will lead to injury eventually and and probably sooner than later. But this, this is just the thing to highlight that mobility training is still training and should be approached systematically and in a progressive way, rather than thinking of it as your rest day and just something that you kind of do when you have a second in front of the TV and you just get into a 90, 90 on the floor, hold it for like 20 seconds and then just do the other side. That's fine. And like, it's still good still do that. But that's not really going to improve your mobility. I'm sure there's tons of people listening who have stretched. I stretched all the time. I stretch, I try and touch my toes every day and I can never, my hamstrings are still tight. Well, sorry to break it to you, but like it's not working, obviously. So, so something's got to change. I, I, yeah, and I still think there's something to be said about that because there could be a lot of reasons why you still can't touch your toes. But I think it comes back to what I said about educating the client. Like there's a lot of like tweaks we can give people for breathing joint positioning, posture, timing that can push the needle forward. But it's, it's just when we're not, when we're just going through the motions is when, again, you're less connected to the brain and there's less effort input. So I, I still think like it's okay if you just do the forward fold, whatever, but it's also like, it's how you do it. It's just like anything, it's how you do it. So like, are you doing it and doing a little mini knee bends? Are you trying to get that range to loosen up? Are you trying to get more feedback to the body you're playing around with the weight distribution from your heels and your toes are you holding your breath and just hanging out there or are you you breathing you got a timer going and are you actually trying to listen to your body because you can bend over and if you do a little bit of a knee bends a little bit of a hip sway side to side stretch the back a bit and actually explore that might be what you're missing in terms of pushing it forward and then you can add you know some strength training on top of that but i think it's like also too like it's just how you do anything, man, and that'll. And if you live that way, it'll you'll just improve in all aspects. In your experience, what's been the relationship between the way you breathe or methods of breathing and flexibility or mobility training? How do you teach it, and why is it important, and how how do you go about it? So I like to, if we're doing something dynamic, like say we're doing a cross act squat, really trying to get deep. I'm always having people breathe with the movement and the exertion. And then, you know, there'll be some high intense like hip cars where we're just like grunting our face and breathing hard, like really trying to get through it. But I find with the breath, like again, coming back to the forward folds is a good example. Say you just sit there, uh, you want to really breathe again, slow inhale, slow exhale out the nose, deep diaphragmatic breathing. But you want to use the breath at the same time you're listening to the body, like the body will let you know when the back is ready to go and then you can start stretching your hamstrings. So I think the key to stretching is, and getting more mobile is if you just try to push your end range right away, say I want you to spend two minutes sinking into it, you're never going to get there because the body's going to be like, fuck, like what are you doing to me? You're just trying to go to our max right away. So I think it's a, a mixture of the breathing but also the listening. So say I was doing a forward fold or even just like a pec stretch on the wall, I'm starting at like 40%. Like, I don't want my arm to tingle. I don't want my body to feel. I just want to get that, you know, get the breathing going. Exhale, let the rib cage drop, get that full lengthening through the pec. And just feel that slow duration, low intensity stretch before I build it up. I feel like people are just like, yeah, let me pull all the way to the back of that door. Oh, yeah, I feel a little bit of a stretch because my arm's going back there. But no, not really. Like, get set up, get your shoulder back, get in the right position, you know. And then just start to feel the little bit of a stretch. And again, that's just priming those receptors. You know, it's, they're going to take time to open up. But I think that's really the key is like, what I think 80% of the time, we shouldn't even be going to 80%. If it's just like a passive practice, at least right away. Like you can still do end range training at 50% of your range. You don't always need to go to 100%. But if you spend two to five minutes opening up, you might create a new end range. So that's kind of how I always thought it. I was like, if I can do the splits to, you know, 50% today, and then maybe I can do it eventually, that'll be maybe 
that's that'll be my cold mobility will be like 50 percent but over time that's why i love stretching at the end of a workout because all the blood's there and that's really when you can find your i call it your true range like and then you and then if you keep pushing by that like you know month over month it'll get a bit further but i think the breathing is the key like if you're not breathing with it your your nervous system's not going to let you get deeper i think that's just you know and then you're also not getting the true function like Anything through the shoulders, the pecs, the back, even the spine. Like if you're not breathing right and you're trying to get back bends or better posture, better thoracic mobility, there's no chance in hell that, you know, doing roller extensions is going to take you anywhere. You really need to, because the breath is what controls the position of the rib cage and the shoulder and the scapula and all that. So if you're not breathing, like you're not even approaching the intention of the movement itself, which is so crucial because one of my favorite exercises is the one where you're on the bench and your elbows are up and you're doing the back bends. But if you're just not breathing, because I always like to think when I'm doing extension, I want to like, I'm, I'm, I'm coming deeper into the extension. Like as you, as you breathe, your body will guide you. Like as you inhale, your spine will extend. So if you work with that and then exhale, drop into it, but it's not until you fully let the breath go out that you're able to get the max end range of the extension. So even something easier, like if you put your hands on the wall and do a shoulder opener, sometimes you fully exhale, everything's out of the system, the lungs are empty, that you can get a little bit further and do some isometric holes in your end range. So, I mean, there's so much to be said about it, and I keep getting more examples, but I think I, I think that was pretty clear. Yeah, I know. I think you nailed it for sure. I've always understood it and, and, and kind of spoke about it as – your body, like if you go right into that hundred percent stretch, like you mentioned, it's a, it's a panic response, right? Your body doesn't like that. It doesn't like to do things that is, that is challenging or that is pushing it past its boundary. So if you go from zero to like 100% or 110% of your like available range, then the immediate response from the body physiologically is a panic response. And so that's why you shouldn't go straight into it. But even if you did, being able to breathe through that is a way to control and modulate that panic response. Same exact thing in the ice bath. The body's first reaction is to start to hyperventilate as soon as like your ribs touch the water, your, your lungs touch the, the cold water. So when you get into that deep stretch, your body starts freaking out and you start to hold your breath. That's the natural reaction. It's opposite of the ice bath. If you start to hold your breath, and I think it's because holding the breath is similar to like the Valsalva maneuver. So when you're doing a heavy deadlift, you breathe in and you try and brace your whole body. So sucking in more air is, is a way of your body creating more intra-abdominal pressure to brace your shoulder, to just brace everything. If you can consciously breathe in slowly and breathe out slowly through your nose, you're sending a parasympathetic signal to the body to relax. I'm like, okay, it's okay. We want to be here. This is okay. It's safe. Let's go into this. Let's relax. Let the nervous system communicate with the muscular system to let those tissues, joints, tendons, ligaments, muscles, all just relax and calmly like enter into that. And then you can start to push in. And this is where you alluded to the, the control and the awareness of what's actually happening. Am I stretching my shoulder or am I turning my back? I'm sure you see this a lot with people doing the pec stretch example that you mentioned. They put their hand on the wall and they crank their whole body. And it's like, okay, well, you just twisted your entire body and you're stretching your hip more than you're stretching your shoulder right now because you've just twisted your entire self around and your shoulder's not really doing anything, but you're feeling that like that stretch feeling. So what are we actually trying to do? Is the thing that we're doing the thing that we think we're doing? And if it's not, those things, those need to be reconciled. And I think being able to control that through your breathing is a very important part of the skill, but of course, of course, very difficult, but this is where having a good coach to like lead you through it and to understand what you're doing and calmly go into it and approach it systematically as a training tool rather than just a thing to do makes a huge difference. Yeah. And it's, and I think that's, what's going to make the biggest difference for people is just taking a step back and having that understanding innately of what's going on. Because when, when a new client comes to me online, like, I have a whole, like, onboarding online course where they go through, like, I, I explain all the joints, all the movements. So, and then they go through their online assessments. So they see shoulder, internal rotation, external rotation, hip rotation, ankle cars, hip cars, like, squat, hip pinch, etc. Like, I have them go through these educational videos to understand them before they go into the assessment, just so they know why we're looking at all these individual things before we put together the program. And then I get them into, you know, the first thing I give people is just diaphragmatic breathing. Let's just get you breathing more. Let's get you equated with the system. And then we go. And then from there, you know, there's 
some more back and forth in terms of, you know, understanding their goals and giving some feedback on the assessment. I try not to overcoach that. I want to see how people move naturally, but I also want them to understand why we're doing it because that's how you're also going to stay consistent with it. It's how you're going to get the buy-in from the client. Be like, oh, true. I didn't know that it's important to get my arm, you know, behind my back and be able to reach my fingers. I don't even know that's like a movement I should be able to do until you test it out. I'm like, oh, my other side isn't as good, but it's more so like that's what's going to motivate you is just that understanding. And, you know, it's a bit different too. Like I'm also like I recently started at the clinic I work at, the Runners Academy. Uh, my friend Jake teaches Eldoa classes, which is like it's it's all new to me, but it's like a nervous system style of stretching that creates space in the spinal cord. And it also involves nerve flossing. So all the stretches, you're stretching the nerves. So you're getting a very strong neurological input. And the first time I did it, it felt like I deadlifted because my back was so sore the next day. But I felt amazing later. Like you could actually feel lengthening through the spine. So I still think like I like, I'm also like I'm, I'm studying, like I'm going to be, I want to teach like take the kin stretch course. But I'm also been learning a lot of Aldoa because I'm always looking for new ways to, you know, to approach and to teach mobility. And I think it's really cool to have both the educational side and your own practice as well as like also just, you know, go to some classes too. Like just sometimes just changing up the variables can be what people need. Yeah. All of these different systems, Eldoa, FRC, whatever, they're all different, but they're not that different. I mean, all human physiology is like more, more or less the same. And so like Dr. Spina, the, the, the creator of the FRC system is the first one to say like, I didn't invent any of this. I just read it and packaged it together in a way that makes sense. And and I think that that's brilliant that he, he packages his own thing that way. But it's it's very true. There's not there's not different way there's different ways to go about it, but they're really all the same thing. And so this is kind of that Bruce Lee concept of, you know, take a little bit of everything, mix it mm-hmm. to what works for you and then discard the stuff that doesn't work. Call it whatever you want, call it David's mobility system, but but it works and the base principles are governed by physiology anyways. So we can't we can't change that. No one can invent some new physiological system that doesn't exist. It's not possible. So we can only work with what we got, which is a human body, and different ways to implement it and different ways to communicate it and get that all-important client buy-in to actually be able to stick through it, right? Like we mentioned earlier, asking someone to work for two and a half hours a day on their mobility, doing cars and enrage holds and Eldoa and all this stuff, would that be great? Yeah, if they had nine hours a day to train. But like like that's not that's not a real person. Even a pro athlete yeah. wouldn't have that much time. So they you know, you have to like take with the good stuff, discard the useless stuff and like get the most bang for your buck in, in the limited time that you have and then work with that. And I think one of the things that's helped me identify that, again, like you said, they're all very similar is having the background in physio. I understand where they're getting the science from. Like, Aldoa is essentially like nerve floss. They call them tensioners and sliders when you're treating someone. So you're tensioning and sliding the joint. It just, again, it's put together well. And then FRC has a great model. I haven't taken the internal strength model, but I've listened to all the podcasts and I've done the the, the base certification. But I, I like how... They kind of oversimplified in physio and training and they do like PNF stretching, whereas it's like it's that, but like on steroids essentially. And then the whole like thought process around it on level one, level two, different grades of doing cars and drills. It just more packages easy, more digestible way than just reading the science. But the pales, the rails, progressive, regressive, it's just a lot more intuitive, at least for my brain. Yeah, but at no, the end of the I- day, like I, I, I invent stretches all the time. That I'm like, yeah. okay, I can, how can I, how can I make this pec stretch more Aldoa style? So I think I made a video the other day. It was like a pec stretch with a nerve floss and it felt amazing. And I was like, this is technically Aldoa style, even though it's not one of the movements they came up with, but it's really just like a pec stretch with a nerve floss, even like a lat stretch with a nerve floss, same kind of idea. So again, these are more advanced things, but these just come from me stretching and messing around and just trying different ways to make things feel good. It's not, you know, I'm just always exploring. And I think that's the take home message here is always explore the range and see what you can do with it. hundred percent. I think you, I know what you mean by when you said that you just make up new stretches and people seem to make up new exercises all the time. And it sounds, it sounds silly to say it like that, but it is true. And it's because like the stretches that we all know 
to do a 90-90 in exactly 90 degrees with your knee and your ankle and your hip and whatever, all this stuff, it's like, well, maybe that feels horrible for some person or they can't even get into that position. So maybe they can do like an 87-93. Is that wrong? Like, no, it's not exactly the thing. The, the exercises are just as again, to, to quote Dr. Spina, they're just mouth noises. They are things that we have called and, and described globally as a way of communicating as human beings. But what my squat looks like is not what your squat looks like. They're both a squat and my 90-90 is different than your 90-90, but it's both essentially the same thing, targeting the same tissues, but our anatomy is different. And my needs are different than your needs is different than everyone else's needs. So yeah, we're all going to make up stretches and like, oh, just do a thing that feels good. This is how I kind of tell clients when, when we're stretching stuff. It's like, all right, here's the base position. Then you wiggle around and kind of move in this direction or that direction and find the spot that feels like you need it. You can feel it better than I can see it or coach you through it. It's impossible. I can't feel what you feel. So here's the base position. Do that and then move and find what works for you. And then and then we'll, and then I'll coach you from there. But you have to find it on your own. And this is where that awareness piece and understanding what's actually in your happening in your body comes back into play. Yeah. And I feel like that's really where you can take it to the next level. Because now recently, I just got into like pigeon squats and split squats, not with too much load or even like loaded pigeon hinging. Like that's actually one of my new favorite ways now is, you know, the pigeon on the bench, because then mm-hmm. I can get someone come standing. Again, I'd rather people be standing. Modified range. I can have them do eccentrics. I can have them change the angles around to the torso. I can give them a 10-pounder and slowly eccentrically load into that. And that's been a lot more accessible for my clients recently than coming on the ground. Yeah, I think and that was I a, I saw, I saw you post that the other day. Movement. It's a great one. Mm-hmm. And I find like I've been looking at different ways recently to use equipment to enhance the mobility, whether it be... I'm using blocks forever, but the bench recently has been a huge tool and even just like a foam roller as a prop too for some of the end range stuff. Really cool. And there's, again, there's so many ways. Endless but, ways. Yeah. There is one exercise though I did invent and, and it's not it. silly. It's a active internal rotation with a uh, self release on a foam roller. So essentially I first put out a video for this. It was like 2016. So essentially you're in your 90, 90, but the rollers under your, your thigh. So you're in abduction and you start with the roller on your knee, and you the do roll is under your front under your front thigh. Sorry, under your front so, thigh. So I'm gonna move the chair. Okay. So imagine I'm li- I'm lying like this. The roller starts here on your knee, and you lie okay. on it. So it's an active release and end wrench hold at the same time. So Got the it. roller. So it's to target the adductor tissues for internal rotation. But as you lift off, you're you're doing like lift offs while you're rolling, and then you work Got your it. way down. After like a hundred, you do 10, 10, 10, 10. So just was something I came up with one day. I was in New York, chilling in my basement at the gi- in the gym at my grandma's house after a workout. And I was like, whoa, what am I doing? And all of a sudden, I did that on both sides, and my squat felt really good. So something I've been doing for you. I like to do end range active release. So th- it's not something that can be done in every position, but for the quads and the knees and the groin, that one's been really helpful because I can actually – give an input through to the tissues as I'm doing my end range hold as opposed to just doing it. And then it intuitively allows me to feel like as I'm going through that movement here, I'm like, all right, I got a lot of tension here. Let me even just like sit there, even not doing a max end range hold, but just moving the body through that resistance can create a huge neurological effect into gaining range of motion. So, I mean, I don't know if I'm actually the first to do it, but I always tell my clients at the clinic, like, I think I came up with this. I don't know anyone else doing this. And you got to, you got to name it then. That's, yes, that's the only yeah. way. Or, or you got to tell someone else to name it after you. And then yeah, you can I say like, oh, clients, I'm not a, I don't have a huge yeah. ego. Like someone else named it after me. It's yeah, not me. I told my client, I was like, I don't have a name for it. You can give it a name. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Like all the, all the exercises that are named after people, they all claim like, oh, I didn't name it. And and I think for the most part, they didn't just their clients and their athletes and whatever did like, yeah, start like doing it and got that guy's famous now. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, did he, is he the first person ever to do that? Like, I, maybe, who knows? Like, there's, there's a thought out there that there are no original ideas and every single idea has been thought exactly. before. I don't know if you've, if you've ever heard about this, but that over the course of human history, every single idea has been thought before and you are never the first person to have a new idea anymore. And so like, maybe you're not the first person to do that, but you might be the person to popularize that. And it's a great example either way, whether you are or aren't of finding an exercise that is not a common quote unquote named exercise that really worked for you and have since found to work for your clients. So either way, 
it's a, it's a good one and one to keep around and one to use and, and try it. And then maybe you, the listener, you try that and you find some other way to do it that really feels good for you. And then you make your own variation of that exercise. And yeah. this is how we get 95 variations of squats. So, Yeah. One last thing about that, not to pick any battles, but I find it funny that the, the, that, that guy thinks he invented hip thrust on Instagram. I find Which it hilarious. That, that, that glute, the glutes guy, whatever his name is. Oh, Brett Contreras. I mean, I, I love what he does, but I, I don't think you can say you invented a hip thrust. I'm pretty sure like the ancient bodybuilders have been doing those forever. Yeah, he may. I don't know the history of it either, but I think it's. I think it's too. It's too, it's basic, too basic of a, a movement. Move. Yeah, it's too basic of a movement to have never been done until like ten years ago. Maybe he's I the don't. one who popularized it, and in conjunction with social media and like and whatever. But I'm pretty to, sure that was have, in Pilates or like aerobics in like the '80s. Yeah, exactly. Maybe yeah. they didn't use it with a barbell and do it for six hundred pounds, but like, or maybe it's all good, like, I don't though. know. I, I, he's yeah. helping a lot of people again. I'm not picking fights. I just again, I don't no, really I need, need the credit. It's more so like I come up with a fun way to do things and let you share it with more people. So yeah, there's there's a great quote by uh, Naval Ravikant, and he was talking about the the value of an idea, and his concept was that the value of an idea is based on the number of minds that it occupies. So whether it's named after you or not, if that idea propagates and spreads and you're helping a lot of people, then whether you get the credit or not, like you are still you are still propagating that idea to to all these people that have still left your mark, your legacy, your whatever in those people's minds and in their lives. So either way, it's a good thing. But just to be nice to Brett, he didn't he doesn't call it the Brett hip thrust. So Thank God. I mean you know, <laughs> so it's just it's just a regular it's just a regular hip thrust. But yeah. It is uh it is silly to, to name after names and they don't always describe what they do. <laughs> it's just like the Paloff press is a good example. It's like, well what does that that doesn't tell me anything about what the exercise is. I have no idea what muscles it works or how to set it up or anything about it based on the name. Like a Bulgarian split squat. What about putting your back leg up makes it Bulgarian? I have no idea. But that's just what they call it. So we'll just we'll just roll with it for the sake of commonality and communication because we're humans and these are just mouth noises again that we make to to communicate effectively with each other. So so we'll take it. Yeah, yeah. David, what are what are some to, to sort of finish off here and leave people with something like really tangible? I know you alluded earlier to um mixing in mobility during the day and doing like few exercises at their desk and obviously your your branding is all around being desk bound and being a desk bound athlete. What are some of the things, and of course, this is massive generalization that I'm asking you for, few exercises that people can do, sprinkle it throughout their day to maintain a little bit of mobility or just maintain some healthy joint movements? Yeah, it's. I've got quite a few resources now that I think I did my first full-on shoot for YouTube last week. So I'm going to be putting out like desk yoga, desk stretching, desk Amazing. mobility. So people literally can press play and at five minutes at their desk and follow along with me. So that's going to be like, a big project to work on the next year and i've got eight classes already so far but Beautiful. for those who are listening i do have a, a free beginner desk routine that you can link in the show notes where it's five of my favorite desk exercises one for the neck one of the hips one for the hamstrings one for the shoulders it's a it's, it's from my ebook so i put the five best exercises together just to get people that understanding but what i really want you to conceptualize though is look at the stretches you're doing right now look at the stuff you do in yoga in the gym and is there a way you can do something similar at your chair? Just that's all you need to think about. Like, are you doing like, you know, are you doing like core exercises like dead bugs? Well, how about just, you know, lifting your knees up and bring your foot out and in? Like, it can be that basic or it can be like doing a back bend on your chair. But just kind of understanding like the movements you're going to be doing in everyday life and seeing how you can create a more regression, a regression of that is the thought process there. But yeah, definitely you can give people my. I'll send you a link, people listening, yeah. if you made it this far. You can download that free video, and then I'll kind of guide you through the process. But again, keeping it simple, like just a chair pigeon pose. If you can't get that because your chair is too high, like put a block under your foot. There's so many different ways. But I also encourage people to stand up too, move around, do some stretches with your foot on the chair as well, just so we're not sitting. But even in the ones like the pigeon pose can be good to do while you're multitasking, which is great. Yeah, that's definitely a good one. And I'll definitely link to the to your uh, your ebook in the, in the show notes. I'll get you to send me the link to that. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the take home with that is like do simple things and it doesn't have to feel like you're doing a crazy workout. Like something is better than nothing at this point. We're not talking about like becoming the most mobile person in the world by stretching for two minutes a day at your desk. It's just moving the body a little bit. So use those regressions to the to the best of your 
ability and just kind of sprinkle them throughout the day because more movement is typically a good thing. David, is there anything else that you want to leave the people with here in closing? This has been a a great conversation and uh, I appreciate your time. Yeah, man, this was really, really good to talk about mobility. But I like the way you ended it, you know, just thinking about movement more often, but also just, again, like you don't need to do it every day. It's more so like the consistency. Like if you, I'd rather people do five minutes a day every day than an hour once a week. That's what I tell people. Like I have clients who just start with me last week. I'm just like, I'd rather you do your 10 minute morning, your 10 minute evening mobility routine than you to, you know, do 30 minutes once a week. Like it just, even the, it's just that long-term consistency is what's going to be the key, but also doing the mobility exercises you actually enjoy doing because there's a hundred different variations for every intention and every goal. But as long as we're choosing one we enjoy and we're doing it properly and understanding the movement, then you'll still make progress. So like if you don't like doing, let's say, ankle cars, there's, there's, I'm sure there's something else that we can give you that would be more enjoyable. So just never settle. Always strive for greatness. And go to the fucking gym. Yeah. Yeah, go let's go. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like the saying goes, and like the gymnastics exercise is called, there are a million ways to skin the cat. So find the mm-hmm. one that uh, that works for you. And one, one other thing that I need to just allude to before we close this off, because I'm wearing a Fiorentina soccer jersey today only because David thinks they're a shit team and, and to be fair they are but we'll be, quiet. we'll be quiet about that one right now but David's a UA fan so that's why I'm wearing a soccer jersey if you're watching the video because I don't obviously just wear jerseys on the podcast because I think that's kind of weird since it's not a soccer podcast but just had to just had to throw that out there and get that out of the way. I, I think we should prelude with the fact that we gave you 75 million euros for Dusan Vlahovic so we're very grateful for your transfer <laughs> Um, well, but yeah, I, I, I wish w- I was even more up to date on soccer, but as much as I've played soccer and all this stuff, I'm like not a big, I don't follow the sport <laughs> very closely at all. Fiorentina is just my grandfather's team, my nonno's team. So that's why I roll with them. But my nonno is a Juve fan. So th- that's a, that's a big thing in, in their house. Oh, good, good, good. So there's no bad blood here. <laughs> no, no, Osmer, really no great to have blood. you on. I I'd definitely love to, you know, do this again. You'll have to come. I know we flipped the script a bit, but you'll have to come on my show. Yeah, absolutely. Let people know yeah. your your contact info, rattle off. We'll put it all in the show notes as well as your your ebook and, and your podcast will be coming back as well. So let people know all, all that stuff. Yeah. So for those of you who missed it, my name's David London. I'm the founder of Deskbound Therapy. So just like you're sitting at your desk, Deskbound Therapy. That's where you find me mainly Instagram, YouTube. We're on Facebook, we mainly Instagram and YouTube. That's where you can find out about, you know, the online classes you know, online coaching, or even just you want to, you know, I really want to put out everything I know on the YouTube. So definitely subscribe there on Instagram and at YouTube to Deskbound Therapy. And we're going to have so much It's literally like I've got a huge vision for Deskbound Therapy. It's going to be like, there's going to be a huge library of YouTube videos. And I just want you to press play and have no excuses and just do the stretching. Like, like I started on Instagram, just get up from your desk and stretch. So I'm just, I'm, I'm putting out everything. So you'll, you'll see it. It's coming, and I'm sure Daniel will, will share it as well. So, again, thanks again for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Been a pleasure. Deskbound therapy, essentially everywhere. Everything will be in the show notes. Uh, I appreciate you, David. I appreciate everyone for listening. Subscribe to David on YouTube and follow on Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast here on Instagram, on YouTube, on all the places. Or not the podcast, just me on Instagram, whatever, at Daniel Yoris. Um, and that's it. Get up, stretch, go outside, be a good person, and go to the fucking gym. We'll see you later.